This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is Best of the Nest, the podcast that's all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And we're doing a late night podcast because our schedules are so busy this week. So that means even though we're going to be talking about stuff our kids shouldn't do, right. it's a boozy podcast. It's what are you podcast. drinking tonight? I'm drinking a really good glass of red wine and I feel so happy about it. This is like Jay opened this bottle the other night when he made some steaks on the grill and there's like just enough for one little glass left for me. Mm. And so I'm drinking little it. Little glass. I'm not sure that's a little glass. Oh my gosh. This is a giant glass with, <laughs> I I'm savoring this. I'm like sad. There's like maybe four ounces in, in here. If even good, you know, I think I the whole bottle of Pinot can fit into this glass. I love it's like that. a party I trick. That. I got a little, uh, bullet bourbon. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's gonna be very good tonight. I don't. I don't that's think I've had a drink in like two weeks, or three weeks. Really? Maybe. So I just had a drink a on could... Saturday. What day is it? Tuesday. I had a drink on Saturday, and now it's. I, I think that's fine. Of course, it's fine. I'm just. It, I've got out of the habit. I know. I think it's a good habit to get out of. Mm-hmm. I've done the same thing too, where I'm just not doing. Um, I'm just finding that I'm not feeling good if I'm drinking every day. And I mean, and by drinking every day, I mean like a glass of wine, you know, we're not like things aren't crazy, Um, but I'm just like not feeling good. And so I'm trying to be really intentional, but like, I knew we were going to have this conversation tonight. And so I was like, Oh, I'm going to sit with Marjorie and have a glass of wine. It's going to be lovely. And you know, when you do it with intention, I have found that I enjoy it more as I had gotten older. Yeah. It really didn't hit me in like the last three years that most of the time wine doesn't feel good. I know. And so if I do it with intention and mm-hmm. I just have a glass, it's very special and it's great. Um, but it is interesting how your body tells you, no, nope, not metabolizing that anymore. That's not working for you anymore. I and it, it was kind of sad. I'm over it now, but it was kind of sad because I, I really like the taste of liquor as we've talked about before. I know. Um, I've been feeling a little sad about it too. Cause like when I've been going on girls trips, I've kind of become like the party pooper, like the one that yeah. everyone's like four glasses in and I'm like one. If yeah. and I'm halfway into the one, and then I'm like, "What is Ooh. happening to me?" But I think I might have used it all up in my youth. Listen, I was very fun for a very long time. I was just talking about you the <laughs> other day. Who was I talking to about drinking? I think it was my mom, and I was like, "Marjorie quit drinking at 19 and then took it up again at 40." Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty much, that's the case. I mean, it's so strange to think about that, but I mean, you just. I just, and I didn't miss it. 
all those yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I took it up again was because we became friends, really good friend of ours to this day. And we would go out to dinner and he had great taste in wine. Yeah. And so we'd go to dinner and he, I mean, you could just tell he was ordering something luscious and good. And so it's like, well, hell, I, I have free will. I can drink again. And so that's when I started drinking again. Not it's, one regret about that. Not no, I think it's good. It. It's just always good to keep it in check with anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I might need more of the wine because I can hear the yelling that's happening downstairs. My children are like, so I told Jay, just to give you guys some behind the scenes, Jay was hunting, pheasant hunting with like work people today. You know, this is his job. It's a pretty good deal. And um, and then he wants to go watch the wild game. But I said, um, that's great. But like, I'm doing a podcast with Marjorie at eight. So you got to get these kids to bed. So like, I have them already. They were fed. We just got, we got home from a walk, whatever. And then, um, and now I can hear my kids have been like real, it's just, we're in a fighty spot with bedtime. Cause they just, they, they all like needle each other and get each other all riled up. Yeah. And I don't know how to get to the point of getting them to bed peacefully without having to like snap. That's where we're at right now. Right. It doesn't feel good either. Bedtime's tough. I mean, it's tough. I always thought if I could do it again, and this sounds ridiculous because I don't have to test this theory because I'm done. Um, but if I had to do it all over again, if I'd started them very, very young with a meditation ritual before bedtime. Yeah. yeah. Like, so they never knew anything different. That's a like, good idea. I mean, like, really, like, it's almost too late for you. But like, if you started your kids at like three with that's just how people do it, like, because they don't know. And if they started to think that, well, you can't go to bed, like that has to be done. I know. When the, could you there try that those, as an like, experiment? Yeah, there's those bedtime like story apps that kids yeah. get excited about. Yeah. And th- my kids were really good. We have a Tony box, which if you don't have a Tony box, they are very fun. It's this German toy and it's for screen free entertainment. But what right. it is, is it's like a little box. It's like a little speaker box. Ours is red. They come in different colors. And then you purchase the stories that are called the Tonys. And it's T-O-N-I-E. And you uh-huh. put them on top of the box. It's a little figurine. So for example, like Peter Rabbit is a story right. that you can purchase. And then right. we have the Peter Rabbit figurine. And then you put it on top of the Tony box. And then it goes do do do, and then you can play. It plays the story, and then That's it plays great. songs and all these things. And my kids were like so into it for probably like two years. It was just like every night we would read a book, and then I'd be like, okay, now we turn on a Tony, and then they would fall asleep to the Tony. Yeah. Um, and then they sort of like, like you know, it's like they buck everything. It's like how they would used to eat full sweet potatoes. And then one day they're like, I hate sweet potatoes. Like right. now they like the Tony box, but they like it in the playroom. They don't want it before they go to bed. Right. So I got to figure out something because I can hear him going, I need you to listen. You got to listen like right now. And that and was then- always the hardest thing for me is either starting the day with frustration or anger or ending the day with frustration or anger. It's terrible. Those were the parenting. Those are the things that made me so sad. I know. Is, you know, if, if I got mad in the middle of the day, I knew there was recovery time, yeah. but sending the kids off to school in a state of agitation of my agitation, I, I hated that feeling. And at nighttime too, um, when Ian was, uh, when Ian, when the kids were like young, maybe like 
gosh, Campbell was still a baby. So between like one and three, um, my husband Ian was doing a nighttime radio show in Chicago. Yeah. And so I had them every single night. Every night by yourself. By myself. Yeah. And one of the things he started doing was just actually helpful on the air. He used to do a thing called book at bedtime. And he would have, and I have the master tape of the somewhere, but he inter- interviewed a lot of celebrities then. And he would have them read their favorite children's book. Oh, that's cute. So we have like Eartha Kitt reading her favorite children's book. I don't Fine. know if you know who Gene Siskel is. Yeah. Yeah. Reading his favorite children's book. Like so many celebrities reading their favorite children's book and the kids would listen to it and then go to bed. Okay. That it was, was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I mean, not consistently, but because he didn't have a celebrity on every single night, but it was pretty, it was pretty cool. And it was a way, but I think ritual is sort of the key to it. And then you just have to grow with their ritual. So you have to just figure out what the new ritual is. I know. I think you're totally right. Cause I think I'm just like in a shift. Yeah. And then, and then, um, I was, I told you Heathcliff, you know, he moved out of his, he was at two years old. He was like, I don't sleep in my crib. I sleep with brother and sister. And he got with the third kid. He just like, don't argue. And what are you going to do? He started climbing out of his crib. What am I going to do, Marjorie? Keep putting him back in there, put a lid on the freaking thing. Let me know how, how I'm child. supposed to solve this. And I all of your with... kids are super verbal. Oh, super verbal. All I mean, of them have It's been. wild. It's weird. It's, it's so cool. Like, for how small they are. I know. This, like Franklin, when I met him, he was like two and I could have like a full on conversation with him. It was so bizarre. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. People get really kind of weirded out by that when we're in public because I kind of forget about it now because he's not in a daycare setting. You know, we have a nanny. And yeah. so it's just a different deal. I'm yeah. not like talking to multiple teachers or like talking to other parents about right. him as right. much. Um, but he is very, very verbal. And so now they all sleep together in the same room. And so it's just been this like, and there's three of them, you know, so one winds up the other one and then the other one, and then they're coming in. And I like really need time at the end of the night to just decompress, to read, to whatever. I lay on one of my many mats, you know, I'm either on, I'm on my acupressure mat, I'm on my PEMF mat. I like have to like, just, I've got to just charge again. And then when they come in 15 times, I mean, the rage monster comes out. Like, yeah. I'm just, I, I mean, I'm like, you have to go to house, you know, because it's like at when it's 930 Marjorie and you I, started it, this process as the Canadians like say at 815, it's like you, you've lost the will to live. You don't care. And if I ever met a woman and I'll say it this way, I would like to meet the woman who has never had that moment at bedtime. That crazy, like, go to bed. Like, I'm going to lose my mind if you don't like, go to bed. Like, it almost hurts your throat. It's yeah, how it's loud terrible. you yell. It's terrible. It's really terrible. I, I can hear now, like, murmuring. So now, they're getting closer. I think that he's at the reading a book phase. Okay. And um, because I hear his, like, sing-songy voice, and I don't feel any thuds, which threaten the structural integrity of this house, which means no one's right. jumping, leaping, bouncing. I may have an idea for you. I'm trying to think whose room are they all in? Franklin's or Bernie's? Franklin's room. Yeah. I do threaten to separate them too. Mm, here's a thought. I've seen this on Instagram where these little bed tents. Oh, yeah. So everybody has their own bed tent. Yeah. So like you could zip them in at night. Yeah. 
And then like, they're not allowed to get out of bed. It's a good idea. Now that could actually make them. I need water. I need to go to the bathroom. That could make them insane or that could work. I'm not sure which. Like the idea of them getting closed in, that could be very traumatic. So maybe that's not such a good idea. They have bunk beds. So they like, and they do kind of create like a fort in there, but it is, you know, it is two shall pass and it is, you know, I'm not going to get that worked up about it. But at the same time, it's very like, I do miss that. I was at that phase where I could just put the baby down at seven 30 and like, he would just go down and then yeah. I would get the other kids to bed. And it, and I really had like a solid, you know, cause I like to hit the hay by like nine 45 where oh I'm God. out like a light. Oh my God. I got. I never had a babe. I mean, other Campbell would go to sleep. Gar never slept ever. Never took naps as a baby. And I, I had I had Gar in Nashville and I took him to the doctor. I think I've said this story on the podcast, but I took him to the doctor and he's like, how's it going? Wonderful pediatrician in Nashville. How's it going? And I'm like, I'm so tired. Just so tired. He, he never sleeps. Nap? He never sleeps. He was walking at eight months. Yeah. Child has never stopped moving. Yeah. And the uh, the doctor said, just close the door. And he would yeah. climb out of his crib, you know. Oh yeah. He's, he's, he's a freak, just a freaky child. And, uh, I don't remember at what age he climbed out his crib, but he's pretty young. And the doctor said, just, just close the door. Yeah. And you go take a nap. And I'm like, that feels so wrong. He's like, you need to get some sleep. I mean, I really was, it was just, it just, and he would stay up late and he's still the same way. And the thing that saved us with him was when he was four, we put him in karate. He was in karate every single day. And then, because he just has so much energy. You've met the, you've met the boy. He yeah, had he so really much is energy. something special. That's... So much energy. And then, and then once he started swimming in fourth grade, that was the secret. Because he would yeah. just, he would just, swimming just takes so much energy and it's constant energy. And, and he, then he would go to bed. But it, it took like, I mean, through college, he was doing two a days and was still surviving. I mean, oh it's insane. Gosh. Yeah, but that's he just wild. he doesn't. He's like his father. He just doesn't yeah. stop moving. But I want to stop moving all the time. I want to be still, <laughs> so much. I just want everything to be slow, and oh. still. And I love um, that. And that was part of my problem is I love being in bed. Oh, I love. I it. love sleeping. Yeah, I love everything about it. I know. I'm excited yeah. to go to bed after we talk here. Well, it's we can great. end it now. No, <laughs> we have a topic. We have to get to I mean, it a little bit. We just covered a topic. We, I know, but we have another topic. We, we got to get we, to it. We've had we a little do. bit of time to do, to talk about it. I have still have like at least two and a half ounces left. There you go. Well, this is something that is very near and dear to my heart, and I feel very strongly about. And I'm just going to confess from the outset of this conversation, I am grateful that I'm not raising children now. Mm-hmm. In the age of social media, I think, you know, generations always talk about, oh, it was this way when I did it. What I know for sure is that it was easier to raise children when I raised my children than it is for your generation. I think you're right. Social media, telephones, the internet, YouTube, all of it. It's changed the game in parenting because I mm-hmm. could control my children's world. Parents can, even though they think they can. They cannot control the world that their child lives in. It's and that so is frightening. In, yeah, it is. I'm the last generation. I'm the last. I was born in 1981, in case you were wondering. It's a lovely time. And we're the last generation that remembers life before the internet 
and then Mm. life after. Like we are the last ones who grew up without it because there wasn't even Facebook when I was in college. Facebook was, Facebook launched when Facebook launched, it was only for college students. Right. And it was called the Facebook. And it was, um, when I, I had just graduated from college. So like, I didn't get a cell phone until I was a sophomore in college. When I went to college, no one had cell phones, everybody. And I remember thinking like, why would I need a cell phone? I mean, I had a phone in my dorm and then that was it. And it was sophomore year that everybody started getting them. And then it was, then you had cameras on your phones, probably my senior year of college, but they were like so bad. The quality was just terrible. And we had so few minutes on our phones that we like never really used them. You just like use them intermittently. Nobody texted, nobody texted until I was probably a senior in college or just out. So it's, it is, um, it's interesting to think of like how different my childhood was in terms of the technology that was available compared to now. Well, in terms of phones and Zoom and all of those things and selfies and I mean, I just came across the most disturbing thing today, which was I was trying to get an app for something and this other app popped up, which was how to to improve your own selfies and so they showed a quick little diagram of a woman, of a young girl who's a teenager, yeah, changing her nose, changing her lips, changing her eyes, changing her hair. So she went from kind of a normal looking teenage girl to this kind of sexy, pouty, like kind AI. of, it, it, it was, and I just thought, oh my God. I mean, I don't remember Honestly, I mean, part of this is because I went to an all-girl Catholic high school. I don't remember looking at myself. Like, I don't remember. I didn't wear much makeup ever. I never have. I don't remember ever being very focused on what I looked like. And I know that I'm probably the extreme Mm -hmm. in, in girldom, even for the girls that I knew. I just didn't care. I honestly didn't care what I looked like. It didn't matter to me. Right. But there were girls that I knew that wore makeup. I mean, we weren't allowed to wear makeup to school, but when we would all go out, I mean, girls were wearing some makeup, but not like now. I mean, there were no tutorials. People would have like obnoxious blue eyeshadow and some mascara. That'd be the thing. But I think about girls now where so much centers around your face. Like, what does your face look like? And that would have driven me absolutely insane. Because it's it's pointless. It doesn't matter. It, I mean, what you look like, unless you're in certain professions, it doesn't matter. And I just, I feel like it's just because of social, because of social channels, because of selfies, because of Instagram, because of all of that. I mean, I think about in like in my high school box, I have a pack of pictures that we would take, like if we were out at a party and you'd bring like a camera and you take yeah. them and then you'd go get them developed. And they're hysterical. I mean, it's having a party with the boys and all of that. I was thinking about how weird it would be if I carried that pack of pictures around with me. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> all of these young women are carrying themselves in their phone at all times so they can go back and look at themselves. It's very strange. It I is... mean, if I had done that, I would have been a freak. I, I know. Like, what are you? doing why are you looking at yourself I know the excessive documenting of things is really true I mean I notice this even with my own children because we always have 
I always have a phone with me. Yeah. So I always have the ability to take a picture just tonight. We, we, I took the kids out for a walk after dinner. Right. And they just always want me to take a picture of them. Like, it's like, take a picture of this, take a picture of me doing a cartwheel, take a video of me doing a cartwheel to come over to the tree that I'm climbing and take a picture of me climbing the tree. And then they want to see the picture immediately. All parents of young kids right now are nodding their heads going, okay, I get it. They want photo approval. They all want to say, they, (laughs) they say, I see it. I see. I mean, they start seeing, saying that really early. Like Heathcliff says, I see it. I see it. They want to see the photo. And so I do my best to go like tonight, we went out on a walk. I took a couple of pictures of them in this cool tree and then climbing another tree. I mean, they're doing like very fun outdoorsy things. And we live in the city and they have specific trees that they like to stop at and climb. And that's what we do. And, um, but I say, you can see it when we get home. Like when we get, like, we're not going to stop what we're doing to look at the, like, I'll take the picture. And then sometimes I have to be like, oh no, let's just keep going do the cartwheel. We don't have to take a picture of it. Like, it's just, I know, but I mean, they there just are new see pathways. It there are new pathways the being formed Yes, in this generation, which is very weird to me. I know. Because it can't be good. Honestly, I don't be. know how it can be good. That I brings us it. to Jennifer Garner. She just I talked about it. this. I see it. I see it. Yeah, this is interesting. And this is more specifically about social media. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading right from the Today Show page. It said an interview in a new interview for today, the 50-year-old actress shared she challenged her kids to show her social media can be how social media can be beneficial. I just said to my kids, show me the articles that prove that social media is good for teenagers, and then we'll have the conversation. She added, find scientific evidence that matches what I have that says it's not good for teenagers, then we'll chat. So she doesn't allow her kids to be on any social channels, which is smart because her parents are so public. That would be hard anyway. Right. But I know a lot of parents actually who are at high profile jobs who don't allow their kids to have social channels just because that could get a little weird if outside media got a hold of their children's social Exactly. Yeah. But that having been said, I don't think that's her reasoning hundred percent. I think she's just trying to be a good mom and saying, this isn't healthy. This isn't good for you. Um, so I went and I did a little deep dive and I found there's this great study and I'll put it in the show, in the show notes from Pew research from 2021. And it said, YouTube is the platform most commonly used by teens with 95% of those ages, 13 to 17 saying they, they have ever used it according to a center survey. Um, two thirds of the teens report using TikTok followed by um, six in 10 who say they use Instagram. So 62%, 59% use Snapchat, and then smaller shares of Twitter, Twitch, and WhatsApp. The majority of teens- I don't even know what teens- Twitch is. I've never even heard of that. Oh, Twitch started, it was um, like play-by-play on gaming. Oh. So it's all gaming. It used to be all gaming. I think it's I think it's expanded from that. But you could like watch them. You could watch people playing games. And they'd be narrating the games. Okay. Yeah, it's, I'd, I've never, I'm not a part of Twitch. <laughs> um, majority of teens use YouTube and TikTok every day. And some report using these sites almost constantly. About three quarters of teens say they use YouTube daily with a smaller majority of teens, 58%. All of the teenagers I knew, even my kids were teenagers. And now that they're in their 20s and I have one in his 30s. Wow. Um, I know. Uh they get everything from YouTube. Mm-hmm. They get their news. They get so that's that's 
a, a stable now. Um, majorities of teens use YouTube and TikTok every day. Oh, I said that one already. So I just think what's interesting, though, is for me, when I look at young children, it's the inst- it's Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. TikTok, for sure. I think those are the most dangerous. Yeah, I think so, too. I just, you know, it's interesting. And I think, like, parents are making their own choices about this now. Every year that goes by, I feel like the the general rule I mean it's sort of like sugar you know it's like you just delay it as long as possible you know even like a mainstream pediatrician like I know I'm a hippie whatever but like even a mainstream pediatrician will tell you like the World Health Organization says no no added sugar before the age of two and people just can't believe that they're like shoving I mean it's like 18 months old month olds with just candy you know and it's well my pediatrician had it was like you know what what is what are you what are they drinking and i was giving them fruit juice he's like no 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 no. oh yeah water water so i think people don't even know like they're not thinking about how much sugars in fruit juice it's it's so i mean and i think that's shifted too like people are Mm -hmm. definitely more aware of that and i think as the years go on with social media they're going to become more aware because you know the guidelines from these social media companies is that you can't be on it until you're 13 i think but I was reading something on social media. <laughs> I was reading about social media on social media from this account just today that was talking about that the guidelines that were set that they're that they kind of base that off of mm-hmm. were set in 1998 with, with regards to, with to consumption for, of media. And that has nothing to do with social media mm-hmm. because social media didn't exist in 1998. I mean, we were just talking about that. And so that um I, so this particular social media account that I was following was pushing for parents to hold off until 16. And previously, when I'd seen sort of initiatives like this, it was no phones until eighth grade, like no social media until eighth grade. And now it's I'm seeing that it's being pushed that you shouldn't do it until they're 16. And even when they're 16, there should be a significant amount of like conversation and parental guidance and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I understand, like, I mean, we have family members who have kids that are, you know, 13, 14, and they're on social media. I have coworkers who have kids that are 13, 14, that are on social media. I can categorically say, and I know it's hard. You can always do the, like, never say never. I, I mean, Bernie's eight. There is no way that we'll be on social media when she's 13. And and you can isolate the audio and play it back to me if I'm a total hypocrite, but I just, I know for myself and I have a, you know, I have a public job. I have a public social media presence. I know how much the sort of what the mental gymnastics are and the boundary setting and the active like work that I have to do regularly to manage the amount of feedback that I receive from people, good and bad, of course, particularly the bad, but even the good I have to manage. I mean, there's just no way that at 13, I think that my child would be ready to do that. And then of course, because I have a public job, I just will not allow her to be in situations where she could read stuff about like what people would say about me. That's, that's a whole nother layer. And what's going to happen to her and what's going to happen to your kids is people are going to tell her to her face what they think of you. That's coming. I've lived that and that's coming. And it gets weird when teachers tell them what they think of you. Yeah. And it's, so it's coming, but when it's person to person, they have to be more careful with what they say and how they say it because it's face to face and it can usually be 
talked about can be a good conversation. Um, but I think whether your parents are in a public job or not, I don't think any 13 year old, and I'll just say it because I feel so strongly about this. I don't think any 13 year old should be on social media. Yeah. And I can say that I'm not a hypocrite because I wouldn't let my kids on Facebook. I know. I, you wouldn't I, even say your kids full names on the radio. I mean, nope. this is, remember when we started doing the podcast and you would start calling them Gar and Campbell and you got all worked up about it. And I was like, okay, well, they are grown ups. Like Gar was an intern on my TV show and we would have him on the show and we would say his name, Gar Punnett. And you were like, I don't know about this. And I was like, except he's 21 and he gets <laughs> Well, I think you were more public with my son than I ever was. And because he was making choices on his own. At he was point. also an adult. Yes. Also an adult. But I mean, we did it to be respectful to them as children, that telling funny stories on them, using their name, took away their agency and who they got to be and how they got to glide through the world. And that just yeah. didn't seem fair to me. And if we did tell stories on them, and I've said this before, we always asked their permission so if we were going to tell a funny story about the family, we would have a little family meeting and we would get everybody's approval to make sure it was okay to tell the story because they are human beings yeah. and it's their life. And this is going out into the world. Their friends' parents were going to hear it. Right. Their teachers were going to hear it. So they had to be okay with it. But that aside, because our situations are so different than most people's, I just think I was having dinner with some friends a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about 20 years from now, what will we all look back on as a society as a society and most regret? And one of my friends who worked in news for years and years and years and said, hands down, it's going to be social media. Yeah. Hands down. It's going to be like sugar. It's going to be like those things are going to be like, what the hell were we thinking? Mm -hmm. Letting I, mean, our I think kids... that now about pesticides. Yeah. What were we thinking kids... that we could grow our food with poison? Yeah. <laughs> what were we thinking? But I mean, I think with social media, I think it 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 really is. You know, you talk about mental gymnastics, and I feel very strongly about how I live my life. I want to live a small life. I don't want to consume a lot. I don't want more than I need. I'm really clear about that in my own head. And then I get on Instagram. And it makes me want. It makes me want, want, want. Oh, I want to go there. Oh, I want a bigger house. Oh, I want, I want, I want, even though I've made intentional decisions for how I'm going to live my life. Yeah. And this is a person who's been on this earth a long time. Mm -hmm. I am solid in who I am. Mm -hmm. And it gets in my head. Yeah. How is a 13-year-old supposed to resist that? A 13-year-old girl or a 13-year-old boy? How do you resist when the world's coming at you about all of these things that look like they're more fun or they should be what you want? I don't even know what a social media account looks like for a teenager. It's it's like, I mean, I see how teenage girls wear makeup and that's bizarre to me. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of that I can relate it to is like the damaging effects of like reading 17 magazine and like cosmopolitan when I was in high school. Oh yeah. And if you look back, which I think we used to do on the radio show, didn't we pull old episodes or old, um, Cosmo we've covers? Talked, we've talked about it before. Yeah. Did we do that on our radio show? I, if we didn't, that would have been a good bit. We should have <laughs> done it anyway. Maybe we can get our radio show back, but, um, we, <laughs> We would, um, when I look back at like the types of articles and when oh. you, if you read headlines from like the late eighties and nineties from 
the, you know, just all these magazines and then the interview questions. I mean, this has really been like when I went down that rabbit hole of when I read Jessica Simpson's book. And then if you watch all that stuff on Britney Spears and you watch, you know, that little docu-series that was put together about her and you watch Diane Sawyer asking her if she's a virgin. I mean, all this stuff that the one thing that gives me a little bit of hope is like, I grew up in that era and I do still feel like that was very damaging stuff. Like when you look back at what flew then, I'm like, oh, I don't flying. know. Elizabeth, it's flying now. Yeah, I guess maybe it is. I'm just not looking and it's at it. it's in their bedrooms with their doors closed Yeah, and they're scrolling through it. Well, and that's what it was in those magazines. I mean, you would, you would read it. But it was it with... one, mag- one magazine a month. Yeah, that's true. But there were a lot of magazines. I mean- <laughs> There was a lot of them. There was Teen well, Beat and Tiger Beat and Hot Teen and, uh, you know, well, all this stuff. I mean, yeah. it was really, I guess you're right. It was basically like, okay, maybe when I, so let's relate it back to sugar. So maybe when I was a kid, it was the equivalent of like having a candy bar a week. And now it's the equivalent of having like six king size a day. I mean, maybe that's what we're and, thinking of. And when you think about teenage girls in particular, it's, I mean, what I've seen with friends of mine that have teenage children, it's not the, you know, the New York publishers that are having and editors and writers that are having an effect on these children. It's the girl sitting next to them in class who's being mean to them on Instagram or on Mm -hmm. TikTok or whatever they're on. It's the bullying that's going on within their own small world. I mean, I could be obsessed with Phoebe Cates and the facts that she weighed you know, 82 pounds, which was what, how it affected me Yeah, is, you know, the whole thing was about, you know, how thin can you be? Mm-hmm. So sure. Does that have an effect? Yeah. But I think it's so much more powerful. There were girls bullied in my class in grammar school. I could name them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the mean girl thing has been forever. Right. But the difference from the parents that I talked to is now it follows you home. So you could get home at three o'clock in the afternoon and school was school. And now it just keeps going. Yeah, because you it can see end. the comments, you can see what's being traded, you can see the photos. My big thing too is like everything is a photo. I mean, man, am I so happy that we didn't have good photos with phones when I was in college and at my most irresponsible. I mean, <laughs> I was very irresponsible and I was wearing like really tiny tube tops. I mean, it was kind of, it was was the time. We can't blame you for that. It was the time. It was the time. Tube tops were big in the seventies too. Yeah. I know. I do kind of like a tube top though. Like I would like, I would like to do a resurgence of a tube top Mm. at some point. Do you? Maybe it was something over it. Like, and it it was long. How do you feel like like a daughter? Maybe it was like a tube tunic. That would, (laughs) I feel like. I feel like that might work for me. That might be the route that I would go. Oh my God. Like naturally died. Oh my God. Does that sound so middle-aged? I'll have a tube tunic, please. We'll go tube top. We're going to go tube tunic. Oh my God. Yeah, it Um, is. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think, um, I do think that you're right in terms of if you're making the decision and your kids are pushing you into it. I mean, you just have to be sort of the bad guy and you've got to just say, but then you also have to really model the behavior because it's really difficult to say you can't be on it if you're on it all the time too. We just do it when they're asleep. I know. I mean, but that's, I mean, I think that's a really good point. If you're going to, if you're going to do that, 
you can't be when they come home from school or when you come home from work or whatever, you can't go right to your phone. They have to never see the phone in your hand. I know. I mean, I mean one I'm of the hardest things work. I'm like, I got to just post this quick. Oh my gosh. Well, we didn't allow our kids to watch TV during the week, during That's the school good. week at all. Yeah. And so, but we had to watch TV to show prep for the show. <laughs> so we have, you and I have natural outs on that one, but I think for parents who don't work in media, it's a harder sell to say, I have to be on my phone, but it's very rare that I will say that I believe something a hundred percent. I could almost always see sort of the gray, but I, I just think if you have, if you have young children, because you have to start making that decision almost right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Heathcliff's already saying, I see, I see the photo, they yeah, love it. then you know that you're going to have to make a decision pretty soon about how that, I mean, is it going to be that you're going to go on walks without a phone, without a camera? I know I have I mean, a watch, if, so I would still be able to. What'd you say? I said, I do have a watch, so I would okay. be able to like contact someone. I just can't take a photo. I mean, I, I know would... that's a not, it's not a bad idea. I mean, I think that the little bit more of phone separation would probably be good for everyone. I'm liking your idea of no TV during the week. I think, None. I think when the school year starts this in this next fall, when I've got Bernie in third grade and Frankie in kindergarten, I think that's going to be our move. It was the best thing we ever did. Because it always was. It just was always that way. And so they didn't really know it any differently. And um, they were busy. And yeah. so it, I mean, there were there were times when we would break it, you know, mm-hmm. of course. It wasn't perfect. But as, if you if you talk to them today, they would say that was pretty much the, that was the rule. And because we started it so early, and I guess that's the thing is you just have to start everything so early so that it's not, so you're not working backwards. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I follow this one woman. Um, she lives in England and she has a car cam focused on her daughter. I've, I've given the Instagram, I've given her account out on the podcast before, but I don't feel right doing that anymore. But I used to love it because she, um, had a camera poised on her little daughter who was actually a really good storyteller. Her daughter was fascinating and very funny and it was charming and I'm really interested in children's literature. So there's this there's this um, sort of way of thinking about when you write a children's book, are you writing it from how a children would look at the world? So I found it yeah. fascinating from that standpoint because it was just so pure and how this little girl thought. And then the change happened when the little girl realized that there was a camera. Yeah. And everything changed. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the posts now, she has a little son too. Everybody's looking at the camera. And when the little boy is talking, the little girl's just smiling at the camera and it's just, everything's different. So if you just look at that as one example of how it's sort of fracturing how those children are living in the world, yeah, it's changing the natural experience of what it means to be a child. Mm-hmm. That's stunning. If you think about it. It, it, it is. Oh gosh. It is. You seem depressed now. It does feel depressed. I think I'm going to have another drink. Hold on. Have a little little bourbon. That that felt good. That was refreshing. On the upside, the good news about having all of these technology pieces with us all the time is that I will never not know the sounds of my children's voices when they are so tiny. I do think that that is like the best gift because 
you know, you had to get out the old video camera and do all this stuff. And you just didn't capture that many moments because talk about that. Like I look at like home videos from when we were kids, we were all acting for the camera because the camera right. so was big. as large as a television set. Yes. And it was, and it was like propped up on something and you only had so much VHS tape to work with. And so right. Right. you had to be very intentional about what was recorded Happening. for life on this tape. Right. And, um, and now like, I always can hear their little voices. Like I recorded videos of them, like the noises they were making when they were sleeping or nursing or like all these things. Oh. And I am so grateful to have those right. sounds. Right. So it's just, it is, again, it's like, it's funny how we started this conversation talking about drinking because we're drinking, whatever, um, that it's all about intention. Yeah. It really, it's in, it, it all comes back to that when we, we should have named this podcast, like something with an intention, because that is really the core of this experience in life is that if everything that you're doing with intention, where you're in the present moment is better than if you're not, it's yeah. just better. Yeah. And I think I do have a friend who's a professor of psychology and we've talked, I've talked quite a bit to her about the actual research. Mm -hmm. on social. So we'll have her coming up and that'll be a more definitive conversation on this. This is just you and I having strong feelings about this. But I, I do think it's, you know, for all the young moms out there, you have such an opportunity to do it differently than most of the world mm -hmm. and your kids will benefit from it. Yeah. Your kids will benefit. I mean, there's no, you could, we could pull the research and, and when we do a more research-based podcast on this, the numbers are staggering in terms of teen depression. I mean, the numbers, you, I know you've come across them too. They're just, they're staggering. And it, it is amazing to me that it isn't being legislated away mm -hmm. because it's so definitive on what the yeah. problems are for teenagers and social media. Times, what, what times we're living in. It's the wild, wild west. There's always something that's the wild, wild west. And yes, this is this is where we are. Well, listen, um, we it's hope kind of that a joke. This, maybe this <laughs> podcast didn't drive you to drink, drove us to drink, drank through the whole thing. It was great with intention. I was very intentionally intention. sipping was. wine. And hey, Judgy McJudgerson, I'm not even through this glass that you yes. were thinking was this giant vat of wine. It was really a offensively small pour if, if you're me. That's right. That's right. And I went somewhere just just recently. And I haven't had a pour, like, God, where was it? I was at some restaurant in Elizabeth. They poured it to the top of the glass. It's like, who are you? What wine was it? Like Boone's Farm? Like, what was it? I mean, geez. I, I was at a hotel. Cheesecake Factory? What was going on? I, I'm just saying that because they have large portions there. I'm not trying well, to knock on Cheesecake like, Factory. I'm sure they're no, no, delightful. No. But it was just so funny because I looked at her. I was like, okay, you're going to get a really nice tip because that's <laughs> like the biggest pour I have ever seen in a wine glass at a bar. That's so um, funny. Anyway. All right. Well, I'll cheers. Wrap us up, darling. Love spending time with you. It's fun Always. to do these podcasts at night. This is I nice. Know. I know. I kind of like We it. should do a best to the nest after dark every so often. It's nice. 
or a little more loosey-goosey. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a review at Apple Podcasts. We like those too. Apparently reviews really help. It helps promote your podcast. So thank we, you. We would like that. That'd be wonderful. Uh, quick tease to what's coming up after this podcast. Mm. Uh, it will be Elizabeth live from Ireland. And I'm so excited about that. And I can't wait to hear about that. So we do you know what town you'll be in when we do it? Are you going to Dublin? I'm going to be in Dublin. I'm going to be in Belfast. And I'm going to be in Killarney. And that, I think, is in two weeks. Next week, I'll be with you. You're going up to Northern Ireland. Yeah, it's going to be a big journey. So, yeah, I'm in it. We're going to carve out time. we got to figure Number one, I have to figure out what time zone I'm going to be in. I'll, I'll manage that. And then um, we'll record a podcast when I'm in Ireland. It'll be You're great. You're only like six hours ahead of me. Yeah, it's seven, seven hours. It's not too bad. And I'm, I'm happy easy. to stay up for that one. Uh, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best the Nest. We are the podcast that brings you home.